And welcome to PodPod. I'm Rihanna Dillon, your host. And this week, we're talking to Mark Stedman, the founder of podcast hosting company Podient, which he launched in 2016, then sold it about five years later, and has now launched Bramble, which is a new podcast hosting platform, which is very much focused on independent creators, and particularly those who use podcasting as a marketing tool. So I really loved doing this interview with Mark, who not only is just a generally really lovely guy, guy, but also gives some really interesting feedback on those who are perhaps just starting out or trying to figure out how their podcast can perhaps boost other areas of their business. So hopefully you'll find this really, really useful. But before we get to Mark, joining me as ever, Reem Makari and Adam Shepard. Hello, guys. Hello. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. How are you both? You're good. Good start to the week. Yes. What's been happening? Uh, well, the weather is no longer freezing um, and I'm able to walk into the office without shivering for once. Um, so I say that's a very good positive update to the week. And yet you look the most autumnal I've ever seen you with a massive scarf. It's, it's for fashion. fashion <laughs> it's it's <laughs> working for me. Thank you. <laughs> what about you, Adam? How's life? Yeah, good. We've just been preparing for our event tomorrow at City University, where we will be talking to some of the winners from this year's British Podcast Awards. Uh, that will be hosted by the wonderful Reem and by uh, Brett Spencer, who is the director of the uh, Podcasting Centre of Excellence at City. So really looking forward to that. That'll be great. Uh, so wait, is this for students specifically or can anyone come by? It's free to attend. Tickets are available on the City University events page. We will put a link in the description, but that is open to all and sundry. Okay, so if you're listening on Tuesday the 24th when this comes out, then it's tomorrow, Wednesday the 25th. And if you're listening after... Too bad, you missed it. But you might be able to hear some highlights on PodFord Indeed. later. Um, so what else has been going on in the world of podcasting, Reem? So on the news lately... Spotify CEO Daniel Egg recently wrote a column criticizing Apple for not being fair to competitors. And da- Daniel Egg is basically encouraging the government to sign the new legislation, the Digital Markets Competition and Consumers Bill, which will have a regulatory body for big tech companies and allowing for more fair competition between them. So currently, Apple make a huge cut off of anyone who downloads apps through the App Store. So Egg claims that um, Apple has generated at least $100 billion in revenue from the 30% tax. Um, and the $100 billion is across all um, apps that are included in the App Store that have to pay that per individual users, both in the UK and worldwide. So they take 30% as a cut. And so anytime someone would download the Spotify app, for example, Spotify has to give that 30% to Apple. Spotify has around 500 million users. So for each of those 500 million users, they're getting 30% off of them signing up. So that's... Well, for all the ones that are on Apple anyway. Yeah, which which would be a... Big chunk, a I'm big assuming. chunk, certainly. Yeah. Spotify isn't the only company that has criticised Apple for this. Uh, Epic Games, which is the creator of Fortnite, uh, has been in a protracted standoff with Apple uh, over this thirty percent cut 
that Apple takes of all the subscriptions and in-app payments that go through its platform. Uh, I think they've still got an ongoing legal case over it. Uh, they've filed a number of antitrust complaints with the EU and various other bodies trying to essentially get governments to step in and regulate practices like this. Google also has a similar policy, although in 2021 they scaled back their cut from 30% to 15%. Okay, so is this going to have like a direct impact on the world of podcasting or at least Spotify podcasts? So it's not a super direct impact on podcasts in particular. What it does mean is that if Spotify gets its way and Apple has to rescind its 30% cut that it takes of payments going through the App Store, it means that Spotify and companies like it will have a lot more revenue coming in, which means a lot more cash to play around with, whether that's used for product development, feature updates, or just things like you know new acquisitions and new content deals and things like that. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, thank you so much, both. That's, I feel like that's quite that's going to have quite the impact on the audio world in some capacity anyway, if it goes through. Um, now, let's talk to the very lovely Mark Stedman. Mark Stedman, welcome to PodPod. Hello, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's so exciting to talk to somebody who really does know the podcasting industry inside out. And I've heard you talk before about, you know, there being this kind of plethora of podcasts about podcasting. So thank you for coming on yet another podcast about (laughs) podcasting. So we're here to talk to you predominantly about building a podcast hosting platform in the form of Bramble, but you also have form with, is it, okay, it's one of those words that you see yeah. written oh, down. No, you I don't know, know how I'm to so say. Sorry. Is it podiant? That's exactly Is it, it. podiant or is That's it exactly podiant? It. No, t- oh, it's 10 podiant. points. Great. Podiant, yeah. Right, first time. Phew. Because, because we all know that we call them podcasts. So obviously <laughs> it could be called podiant. Well, obviously it's that. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought must be. (laughs) Um, So tell us about Bramble then. What is Bramble apart from a delicious gin cocktail? Well, yes, indeed. So Bramble is a hosting platform where people can put their media. It's because there are still you know plenty of people in podcasting who aren't necessarily aware but the the way the medium works is that you don't upload your audio to Amazon or to uh, to Apple or to Spotify uh asterisk with Spotify but what you do is you you pick a place where your audio is going to live and then that place then tells Apple and and the rest of them where to get your latest episodes so i provide uh, one of those I, th- I think of it um often as sort of just it's the high shelf of the internet and we're just sort of lifting lifting your audio up on you know onto the high shelf of the internet so with that it's also helping with things like um, your show notes and your titles and blog posts that accompany the episodes, helping you plan them as well, giving you the tools when you've got an idea for an episode or a guest, being able to plan that all the way through from initial uh, concept all the way through to then publishing it, uh, also to to YouTube um, as well as static um, video. On its face, it's sort of, you've got the digital aspect and the helping people with the infrastructure and the moving pixels and bits of audio around the internet. But then there's also very much the human aspect, um, which is why I picked a name like Bramble, because I wanted something that really spoke to the organic nature of what I wanted to do. Podient, my previous company, was its logo was a robot fist punching the sky. Like, it was, it was about, you know... <laughs> 
oh, we're going to do this and we're independent and you know there's 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 um pea, pea and vinegar let's say um and and all that kind of stuff and bramble's much yeah. more like hey let's we can it's all right <laughs> we can slow down we can take take it down a notch it's all right um and i feel like a lot of podcasters need to hear that actually. yeah yeah and it's um it's about supporting the podcaster as well so it's giving a home not just for the media but also giving a place where the podcaster can sort of feel held and looked after because my previous company podium i i sold um in 2021 and then i've spent the last couple of years um really helping a lot of people start their shows and one of the things that I've realized that prevent people from starting shows often is that sense of someone actually holding them, of of being that safety net, of making sure that they're not going to look silly um, or that things are, are sort of well-conceived and, and well thought of. And I wanted to take those ideas and bring them through to, to Bramble as well. So make sure there's absolutely the human support behind the creator as well as the technical infrastructure. Mm. One of the things that I've heard from a lot of companies that produce branded podcasts is that having that checklist for kind of launching a podcast, you know, who is it for? What is the format? What are you trying to get across is really essential for a good launch. And, you know, when you're dealing with companies and organizations and brands that are kind of taking their first steps into podcasting, you have a production company doing that handholding. With independent podcasters, you don't really i mean you've got places like pod pod which have hopefully you know a, a good amount of resources that can help to bridge that gap but having a person who can fill that role is is something that can be really really helpful yeah i think so and i think there are plenty of places that are trying to do it and and i think the difficulty is that hasn't filtered through to all of the courses that people take that teach them how to make podcasts in this very specific way where you have, for some reason, this three-minute really long intro uh, that's the same every episode and then you go into uh, a recording that's that sounds completely different. And um, in, in the midst of all those sort of courses that are run by entrepreneurs who have discovered podcasting, none of them tell you like you should actually probably sit down with a human or get some or, or just sit down with other humans you don't have to pay someone mm. but actually being part of a group and 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 it, t exactly to your point adam is really sitting down and thinking about okay you want a podcast but how is your podcast going to serve other people because if you can't get clear on that it's going to be a much harder lift for you it doesn't mean it's impossible and there's plenty of shows that are just entertaining and and, and i listen to those but if you can really hone hone in on exactly who you're helping and how you're helping them that makes the rest of it so much easier hmm. i feel like with so many companies you know they might start out with humble ambitions but ultimately they want to get out there to as many people as possible and with you it sort of feels like you're doing the opposite because as you keep saying it's the personal touch which is not viable for something on an enormous scale so what are your actual ambitions for bramble and why are you so determined to keep it on a smaller scale it's more fun um it's much more enjoyable like i i do this because i enjoy doing this already a great answer yeah. <laughs> um, i want to be tweaking the platform and making little changes and occasionally maybe slightly breaking something for five minutes um and and you know and, and doing all those things for a long time if i if i became just the ceo of bramble corp um I, and, and paid developers to, to do all those things. And like, I, I would be spending all my time running 
what would feel to me like a generic business. And that is absolutely no slam against anyone who, uh, who's running a larger business. It's just I want to be in the stuff, doing the stuff that I care about. And, and I want to be able to spend my time between sort of equally, I think, between tinkering in a productive way in, in ways that add, you know, add features for people and, and add usability. Working with people one-on-one or in small groups because I, I really enjoy that. And then doing the stuff that I want to do, like noodling around on the guitar or the piano and making songs and making little videos. Like, if that's what my life looks like for the foreseeable future, mm. then I'm a success. And, and you know, Bramble is a success. Um, <laughs> that's the kind of metric, really, that, um, <laughs> that, that I'm, I'm judging it on. And how are you making sure that you're going to keep it small scale then? Because, you know, it could potentially grow and grow. So how are you ensuring that you are going to keep that personal touch? Um, is by having a sense of the, the the number in my head, which is the max that I mm-hmm. want to get to. If I'm working with someone, if I know someone that I trust, because there's, there's things like support and stuff like that, which I don't necessarily need to do to do every day. So I don't need to be in every single part of the business. Um, and so, yes, there's there's growth um, there that I want to get to, so that there's someone who can who can you know give people that that sort of basic customer support. Um, and there's, you know, maybe some other little technical things, that, that kind of stuff. But I have a sort of an idea in my head and I've run all the numbers of like, this is my cap. Um, and after, after that, I'm asking some serious questions about how we grow. You know, I, years ago, I, I, I heard this idea of a sort of, I think it was like a fractal sort of idea of you create a company around this certain number of people that you can work with. And then after that, if you want to grow, then you think about who's the next person that can be at the center of that little group with, with support and with help. That may not make any sense. It may be a slightly confusing metaphor, but like a, a hub and a spoke model, like can I find other people who have the same sort of ideas as me, have the same knowledge or who, who care about the same kind of stuff and who want to take on some of that. So in terms of the, the sort of, market that you're aiming at you've mentioned that you want to to keep the size of the user base kind of fairly manageable but do you have a sense of the size of the wider market that you're aiming at in terms of that sort of creative entrepreneur profile i do but a lot of it is much more based on psychographics than it is on demographics it's about the kind of books you read or the kind of TED Talks you watch, that kind of stuff. And so in the circles that I've been in, in in the last couple of years, I know a rough idea of the numbers, but it's making sure that those people, they actually fit the sort of the psychographic model and not just they are this age, this income, this kind of job. It's also making sure that they care about the same kinds of things because I want to work with the people that I can best serve. Basically, mm. I want to work with the people that I can help the most and where um, I sort of understand their what they want to get out of, of what they're making, mm. um, You know, which for a lot of the people I work with, it's podcasting is a core part of their business, but it's not necessarily the business. Mm. Um, so it's a way for them to build trust and build authority, uh, make connections, make that community um, really happen. But it's not necessarily the thing that's going to make them the money, but it's absolutely a sort of a linchpin. And so knowing that, I can put the tools in place and work with people that uh, means then I can provide them the, you know, the, the best support possible. Mm. So what is it that initially sort of attracted you to this opportunity? I think working in this space and realizing that these kinds of ways of thinking about work and business existed when i started podium i was thinking about 
scaling up and so i was kind of thinking of that you know this is the way it works and i'd, I'd seen all the episodes of silicon valley um <laughs> and while i wasn't necessarily um <laughs> looking to be you know incubated or anything like that i did have a th- you know I, I was thinking about exits and that kind of stuff and it, it took me meeting a bunch of business hippies um towards the end of 2020 where i realized <laughs> oh like there is another way of thinking about stuff there is a way of of building a business that is what they laughingly or sort of derisively call on Dragon's Den a lifestyle business. Okay, maybe it might not be something Stephen Bartlett wants to invest in, but it is absolutely something that can feed a family Mm. uh, and can give you Mm. nourishment and fulfillment and all those kinds of things. Um, And so I think realizing that a couple of years ago and going, oh, wow, this is, I get to run a business like that. Cool. Let me, let's get started. (laughs) Are there sort of like subgenres of podcasts that you kind of are actively going to avoid that you really don't kind of see on your books yeah and and again this is not a value statement at all but it's it's about who i can help the most so Mm. mostly that looks like things like uh, entertainment shows comedy shows those kinds of things as much as i love listening to them and and you know true crime and those kinds of things as entertaining as, as those shows are the way i work and the way some of the system is built it would just not serve them very well uh, and then you know i've got mm-hmm. my own sort of things about um religious content and stuff like that and so that's mm-hmm. not necessarily a, you know an area that i want to get into and so those are sort of the, the restrictions that i um that i put on so you're seeing you know bramble as this very particular specific um hosting platform who are you, who out there do you see as like your biggest competitors that might be doing something similar in that space that's interesting because um I think on a technical basis, it's, you know, it, it's, it's lots of other hosts. And when I started uh, Podium, which is in 2016, the landscape looked very different. It didn't feel like there was a need there to innovate and it didn't feel like there was a need to put the user first. Um, and so there were companies like mine, um, Dan Benjamin's uh, company, Fireside, uh, who was sort of coming along at that, at that time. And Dan Benjamin had been in this space for years. But there were people like us coming along going, we think there's a space here to to build something a little bit different here to use modern technology to build interfaces that actually people enjoy using and are easy and we we want to make sure that all the tools that a, a podcaster needs not just the audio hosting but the website hosting that they're all in place um and then after we spun up then we started to see the likes of of captivate and transistor and people like that some of whom had been in the space in other areas but i think there was maybe this idea that we started to see of wow yeah we can put the listener first and be a success that i think then sort of allowed some of these other companies to go oh yeah like yeah we should do that and have done great great things and built um great products back then my competition was was captivate and and you know maybe acast back in the day whereas now because I'm so focused on the people that I want to work with, and I kind of say this to, to any hosting company listening, like I'm not out here um, looking to eat anyone's lunch. The uh, pool is big enough for all of us. So I don't see it as directly competing with anyone because of the fact that I'm really focusing on this particular thing. In some ways, I'm cherry picking bits of services in other areas like mm. writing show notes and stuff using ai services that help you build a website for your podcast i'm probably competing a little bit more with those because i'm trying to bring those in into one single place than i am with like a, another media hosting company mm. so let's uh dig into those added tools then because that's quite an an interesting sort of 
addition that a lot of a lot of other hosts are sort of gently exploring how significant a part of the value proposition for your kind of specific target audience do you think these tools are going to be and can you give us a a bit of an overview of what those tools are absolutely um, so at the core, we've got the, you know, the, the hosting stuff, which is fairly standard across the board. Uh, and there are, there are the planning tools that help you just take an idea from its initial conception all the way through to publishing. But then we've got some additions, which are things like AI. Um, I don't actually use the term anywhere in my marketing. For, uh, for some reason, there's just something in my head that's decided I don't want to do that. So I call it a virtual writing assistant. Um, nice. And what that is really helping with is... <laughs> One of the things that I've discovered playing around with AI is it's great at pinning down meaning. What it's really useful for is if you've taken an hour-long episode, you've just finished editing it, and you're you know you're a single person. Maybe you're a podcast producer and you're uh, editing an episode, and then you've got to write the show notes for it. Being able to feed a transcript to a robot and for that robot to be able to then say this is what I understand about this. That's mm. really really useful because when you're in the minutiae of this edit and this edit and this edit and thinking about the audio quality, you're not really thinking about what the key takeaways were, what the overarching point was of this episode. What a robot is really good at is you can feed it a question like, what's the biggest thing that we can learn from this episode? Mm. And then you can start your writing from there. I was really picturing Clippy from Word when you said assistant. So I'm, I'm really glad you explained that. <laughs> as useful as he was. It looks like you're trying to write a letter. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm... Yeah. <laughs> Are you planning on building in any image generation capabilities for things like episode artwork? No, no. Um, part of that is I'm nice. really... I'm really sensitive to like the uncanny valley stuff. Mm. I can't, when I see an artificially generated image of a person and there's like a glitch in it and they've got three eyes, it freaks me the hell out. <laughs> yeah. It's just, mm. it's, it, oh. so, um, no, <laughs> what, I, what I do want to do and what I'm looking at doing, um, is integrating with stuff like Canva so people mm. can go off and, and make their own artwork oh, in a tool that's yeah. meant to do that and then bring it back and, and, you know, in as few clicks as possible. Mm. Like, like, that's one of the things that I want to do, but yeah. So as a, as a brief diversion, um, I'm curious, how, how long did the development of the sort of core media hosting and distribution capabilities take compared to the sort of uh ai stuff and some of the the bells and whistles if you will yeah um the core i started working on in early june and early june this year sorry yes early june this year good lord (laughs) (laughs) it's quite an impressive turnaround time i i don't commute you know um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just have to make sure the cats are fed, uh, and that's and that's fine. Um, <laughs> form an orderly queue. Um, <laughs> swipe left. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, uh, I. <laughs> I had the advantage that I'd done this before. Not that I used the same code. Um, if the if the acquirers of the previous business are listening, um, I, I don't think that's a genuine good. So, but you know, just in case, no. Um, but because I had the ideas, like, don't worry, they won't um, be listening. <laughs> um, so the, the initial build, sort of from May to where we are now, is is sort of early October. 
Um, there's still lots of bits that are still yet to build. So all the functionality that I've shown in uh, in the videos and things that I've put out is all there. Um, but there's more interface things that need to be built to just make it easier for the for users to be able to do certain things. The AI stuff was probably one of the things that took the least time to build but that's going to be one of the things that is going to take much longer to finesse because it's all about the prompt uh, what they call the prompt engineering because essentially i'm using you know sort of off the shelf ai tools as lots of other companies as well uh, are doing um it's all about how you phrase the question. It's all about how you ask the robot to do the certain things. So, yeah, there's, there's still plenty more to build. But, like, yeah, the initial process was sort of, yeah, five, five-ish months, I think. I um, I heard you, uh, I think, on your diary, your startup diary. Oh, gosh. And you were saying that it... <laughs> no one's supposed to listen to that. <laughs> which I want, to, I want to talk to you about anyway. But there was one thing that you said in it which made me laugh because you, you were, like, um, you were talking about people coming to you who'd never heard of Descript. Oh yeah, and you're like, which is which is weird, but it's really exciting because then it means that I get to show them Descript. <laughs> I was like, it's one of like the nerdiest things ever, but I loved how like enthusiastic you were about showing someone this <laughs> this tool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it also got me thinking about how there are a kind of a lot of assumptions and myths. I think in podcasting. So, what are some that you have like really noticed, like trends that new podcasters assumptions they might have coming into this podcasting world that you have to then say actually no that's not true one of the one of the conversations i have with people is around sponsorship what i came to is this realization that it's really not about the money when it comes to sponsorship i think it's a lot of, and i've been in this position myself it's about someone tapping you on the shoulder and saying you're in the club like you count you've got a show that you know it, it's a sort of legitimacy and a, and a sense of um, being valued i think far more than it is the money because if you're someone for whom podcasting is part of your business uh, and it's a way that you can encourage people, invite people to work with you, uh, whether it's to buy your course, to uh, download your ebook, to come to an event, or as a way of um, getting more public speaking opportunities, um, you're probably much more likely to make money through the things that you sell and you will give away a lot less trust by advertising the stuff that you create than you will by selling a mattress um, or, you know, or home insurance mm. or whatever it is. Um, and so I think it's it's helping people to understand, actually, it's about building that audience that wants to, to work with you. That is far more lucrative um, because you're not giving away these little bits of trust every time you do an ad for someone else. That's a really good tip. But And then also in terms of tools and if people don't have the capacity to learn everything, you know, if they don't mm. know Descript or they don't know about Riverside or, you know, mm-hmm. if there are certain, if, if there's sort of like one kind of core thing that you would say actually as a podcaster who wants to use a podcast as a marketing tool, what is the one thing that you would really recommend they explore and look into if they don't have time to do like the whole umbrella? Well, you're going to hate this because I'm probably going to say Descript. And the reason for it is (laughs) if you're unfamiliar with with audio editing, um, but you've used a Google Doc, it's it's a great it's a great tool for that. It's really easy to share your stuff with other people. Mm. Uh, just you know, just internally, they make it so easy. You don't have to upload a file to Dropbox. Um, you've got that. You've mm. got a transcript there that's already searchable for you, but for other people as well. It makes your podcast more accessible to people. And if you want to get into other things like making audiograms or other things like that, as you know, we can debate the usefulness of those. But if that's stuff that you want to do, that that's in there as well. It's 
it takes a couple of clicks to actually make your audio sound a lot better because mm. if if we're really getting into it one of the things that i wish podcasters who do all their own production would do is use compression mm. because without it people's levels go up and down and you're constantly having to turn your volume mm -hmm. up and down when you're listening to people and it's the work of two clicks to enable that in Descript mm. and actually what comes out. As someone who's been a professional audio editor, um, well, paid to do it since 2016 and has been doing it for beer since 2008, um, <laughs> that, it's actually, like, it's good, like, it's really, really good enough in Descript and it takes, I think, a maximum of three clicks to enable that. Mm. There are a few other things you can do around Descript, like, you know, I'm a big fan of removing ums and ahs, or not ums and ahs, sorry, but um, active listening noises from people. So there's ways you can clean that up. In, it, it's a bit more advanced, but actually I can sit down with someone um, who's completely new to the medium and I can show them Descript and in, in an hour they know how to make their podcast and they can export it out in the right format, upload their artwork, tag it, do all the things. And <clears throat> that's all in one tool. That's phenomenal. Mm. It's also, I'm a huge fan of Descript as a a vehicle for upskilling sort of novice podcasters to intermediate. Descript makes it really easy to springboard from Descript into something a bit more advanced and start dabbling around in that a little bit, which I think is, is very useful. Do you think that with kind of more reliance on AI comes a greater risk that podcasts are all going to start looking and sounding the same yes um i think so and then i think what will happen is we'll realize that and then i one of two i guess one of two things will happen is either the ai will get better at making stuff sound more human um or we will we will sort of realize like yeah we need to um we need to have a bit more care and a bit more thought into what we're doing. I mean, in the space that I that I work in, there are a lot of podcasts that all sound the same. Honestly, they've mm. got the same formula. Like I was talking about before, it's the this really long intro, um, and it, which tells the entire story of the podcast. Um, you know, it's two or three minutes in, and we haven't actually got into the episode yet. That kind of thing is going to continue. And and what it what it takes is just for a few people to 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 stop and and. And ask themselves, okay, what are we doing? Like, what is this for? Again, like, and sorry, I know I keep banging on this drum, but it actually does, again, I think, come down to who are we helping? How are we helping? Because, yeah, we could just make the same show, and that might serve you as a creator um, from, from an ego point of view. And if you mm. just want to sit and have fun and do your stuff, then absolutely you should go and do that. But if you want to get head and shoulders above other people and, and be heard and be different then it is going to take that human approach. So that's so that kind of is making me think about how or you you spend so much time when you're creating a podcast or you're creating anything actually um in making sure that all of these things are working and going you sort of sometimes might forget about the content or the creativity that tend might be the first thing that goes out of the window if you're just trying to keep everything on track and on time um which kind of takes me back to thinking about your startup diary for inside bramble which i guess you doing this kind of little podcast and sorry i don't mean little in a patronizing way <laughs> yeah. they're short episodes yeah. <laughs> unlike unlike our rambles <laughs> but you know you're kind of doing like these brief roundups of each kind of challenge along the way of 
kind of building a startup, which is kind of fascinating. So how did that help you reflect on what you were doing to make sure that you weren't sort of just doing everything so reactionary all the time? That's a great question. Um, I, I think I understand things a lot better when I talk them out. And it's genuinely how it's it's how I process um, and it's how I come to terms with things and it's how I work stuff out. And one of the things it's also really valuable for is to look back after a year, after two years and go, wow, look, look how far we've come. I was agonizing over this mm. one line of code or this little idea. And now, you know, I've got this whole thing and it's so far behind me. It's also um, it's a way of stopping and slowing and giving myself that opportunity which i rarely do to yeah to look back and go oh i've made a good good bit of headway this week um rather than looking ahead and going i've still got this huge hill to climb it's one of the things i'm really guilty of and i I suspect lots of people are as well is like Mm. we focus on on this big hill that we've got to climb whether it's growing your podcast or your business or whatever um and we we don't stop often enough and look back and go wow Look at all of this, you know, I can see this horizon, mm. all of this stuff that I've cleared. It's amazing, you know, how far I've come. And yeah, I still don't know how long I've got to go, but I can see how far I've come. And I think that's a really useful thing to be able to do as well. So on the subject of climbing that hill, I guess, since most of your audience, I'm going to say, is not necessarily going to be audio professionals by trade, how mm-hmm. have you approached sort of usability and user experience with that in mind have you kind of consciously designed the platform in a certain way to make it sort of more approachable for that kind of audience absolutely i think um i i would love people to invest in their shows and to make them sound as good as they can do because that makes you sound more professional um and when you're nestled really snugly and nicely and tightly in someone's ears um you connect with them on a much deeper level that all said not everyone when they start it has figured out whether podcasting is going to be right for them what i've built is something that that comes part of the the basic hosting package is a very simple drag and drop interface where people can just throw in some audio inside bramble for example this this um little show i hit record in my browser and i sit here for a half an hour and then i'm done and i hit stop and then i hit upload and that's all done in the browser i'm not having to edit it's trimming off the beginning and the end where i'm you know fumbling around uh, and it's adding the music and it's making the volume level and then i just hit publish and that allows me to at least just be able to say what I want to say. And so for the price of your hosting fee, that's all you've got to do and it's going to come out okay and and you can at least test the water and figure out whether this is something that you're going to enjoy doing in the long the long term. So what does success look like then both for you and for Bramble? Is that sort of community element something that you're really focused on as a success metric? Yes, it is. One of the things that I regretted or, or that the, I, I never quite attained with Podium is I was very much a service provider and, and kind of just this blank sort of thing. And people often didn't realize, you know, that it was essentially one person who, who ran the whole shebang occasionally with a, with a bit of um, help. I, I did get some, some great help from some, some wonderful people that I'm really grateful for, but the sort of most of the nine to five was me. And yet there were still people who were like, Oh, Podium. If there's even anyone who's going to read this, this, this message is like, no, no, there absolutely is no. <laughs> um, and so what i what i really want to do is have much more 
strong connections with the people that that are my customers that there is much more of a partnership there and your website is bramble.fm it is so is that a little audio nod do all podcasters need that at the end of their websites oh god no because they're they're so expensive (laughs) um it is it is an audio nod but um fm domains are really expensive um go with a dot com or a dot co like yeah no absolutely (laughs) um Also, I love that um, you're including very like green stuff in your work as well. So every podcast download goes towards the planting of a tree in an area that needs it, which is mm-hmm. an additional thing that you almost sort of like have quite low down on your website. So tell us the importance of kind of giving back to the world while you're also podcasting. Yeah, well, that, that's, I mean, you, you've you sort of like said 50% of what I was going to say, which is we can talk sometimes about taking up oxygen in a, in a room, <laughs> especially, you know, what is it, that, the whole thing of, you know, the collective noun for three white men is a podcast, right? And so... <laughs> Were you at my wedding? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, I love the idea that actually we can create oxygen. Mm. How cool is that? You know, by by people consuming your content, that contributes to more oxygen appearing in the world. One of the reasons it's low down on the on the list is not because it's low down on my priorities, but because I want to make sure that I I'm I'm walking the right line and I'm not greenwashing and I'm not you know making making promises that I can't keep. And one of the things that I'm I'm really keen on doing is showing podcasters like in their dashboard you planted this many trees this month a tree can be planted because of your work and it's tied to the you know mm. to, to the to the people you reach um it just feels i don't know it just feels really lovely mm. <laughs> it, is, a- it absolutely is and what a nice note to end on mark thank you so much for joining us it's been really lovely to talk to you and to laugh about podcasts <laughs> as well <laughs> remember laughter oh. surprisingly rare <laughs> thank you it's been so fun thank you so that was Mark Stedman, who was absolutely lovely to talk to and kind of provided me with a lot of food for thought as somebody who doesn't I, like I don't have like my own podcast. I don't have my own brand. I'm kind of part of the pod pod brand, of course. But um, it did. It sort of made me think about the the intros, the outros, the fact that we have like our kind of like rigid way of doing things, including this, this very bit, our kind of reflections on the interview. Um and how, you know, we, we, we do this every week. And is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Do we need to interrogate our um, ideas a bit more? I don't know. It, but it's good. It's kind of making me reflect. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Adam, what do you, what do you think? My, my immediate takeaway from this interview is, firstly, I'm kind of impressed by the step back that Mark took uh, after selling Podium and sort of stepping back to a, a sort of slower pace of business, I think is really interesting. And the the focus that he has on sort of smaller independent podcasters who are using it as a promotional vehicle, I think is really good to bear in mind, you know, as so many organizations and businesses are targeting bigger and bigger scale that there's still a big chunk of the podcast community that is just not not worried about reaching you know hundreds of thousands of people you know it's it's just reinforced the 
thing that I've I've said a, a few times, which is that small audiences isn't necessarily something that a podcast needs to grow out of. You know, having a small niche core audience, I think, is is still really valuable. Reem, as somebody who is still like fairly new to podcasting, with PodPod kind of being your ver- first venture into it, you know, the idea of reflecting on and changing as you go, I think was a really interesting one, because sometimes we might be so kind of deep in our style or, you know, we have our ways of working. So for you, how do you kind of make sure that you're like growing each time and learning each time from every record or podcast that you're involved with? Um, I mean, I think it's it's about learning to ask for feedback um, and listening to feedback. So your audience might be used to the current format that you have um, and they might be into it, but it's also important to ask them if there is anything that you could improve on, Um, even if it's small things like, you know, um, having a smaller intro or if it's allowing more time for guests to answer, even if it's something small, it's still important to incorporate the feedback that your audience gives you, but also asking for feedback from the people that you work with. So we often talk between us about what else can we do? What can we do to improve? I know that I've asked you about, um, you know, any advice that you would have for me being uh, uh, on the show and, and being a new podcaster and how to make myself better. Um, also asking, you know, the people who are working behind the scenes, Emma has given great advice. And it's just, it's about listening to your team and also listening to your audience and not being afraid of change because it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong currently. You could be doing something great. There's just always room for improvement and always room to grow. Yeah, I think that's true in every field. And I find it really exciting that there are people like Mark or Broccoli Productions or the Radio Academy who are just completely dedicated to making podcasting a more inclusive and accessible sphere. And I hope that their work kind of benefits you because as much as I love doing these interviews and you know, Mark, I thought was a brilliant person to talk to. I hope that you can take some really useful practical advice away from this. And remember that we'd always love to hear from you, the listener, about who we should be speaking to because we're doing this for you. So if you think that there are areas that are yet to be covered or you feel like we've overlooked somebody that we absolutely should be talking to in the podcasting world, please drop us a line on socials at podpodofficial or email us at editor at podpod.com. Thank you so much again to Mark Stedman and, of course, to Adam and Reem for joining me this week. You can find out so much more on podpod.com. We have daily email bulletins and do rate and subscribe because we just love those five-star reviews. The podcast is produced by Ollie Peart for Haymarket Business Media and I'm your host, Rihanna Dillon. I'll see you next time. Cheers. Bye.